Lamping here, PHRA's Executive Director. Welcome to PHRA's podcast, P4, People, Purpose, Passion, Pittsburgh. P4 is brought to you by our members and sponsors, Lattice and the University of Pittsburgh, Executive MBA Programs, and the Center for Executive Education. We appreciate their support, and we'll hear from them throughout the podcast, beginning with the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and Center for Executive Education. Especially in times of uncertainty and challenge, America needs exceptional leaders to guide our healthcare institutions. The highly ranked executive MBA in healthcare at the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh is designed to empower and enable leaders to think critically, make informed decisions, and inspire confidence. Forge your path into healthcare innovation by visiting business.pitt.edu/slash EMBA healthcare. In episode four, Pete Schramm, P4 host, founder of Lattice, and Corey Amos, HR director for Edgar Snyder and Associates, discuss the power of confirming. Write it, live it, repeat it, and treat it. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us on P4. Uh, we're excited to learn more about, learn more about your background, uh, where you came from, and why you get so excited around people in the workplace. Uh, you have a lot of stories to share today and a lot of different experiences about the strong foundation that we can all begin to implement or even strengthen uh, inside of our organizations. But let's start off with your foundation and kind of where you came from and how you got to where you are today. Sure. It doesn't make sense. Um, and I would say to anyone that if you if you think what you if you think at 18, you absolutely positively know what you want to do with your life. I'm, ne- I'm nearly 40 now. You don't, but engaging in anything and secondary education and learning and growing and creativity will always come back fruitful. So I um, attended Point Park University in Pittsburgh and I studied theater arts, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And then I went out into the world and I did a bunch of stuff for which I got paid almost no money. Um, And then I started to work for a temp agency when I lived in Chicago. It was a headhunting firm and they did other things and I started kind of supporting them. And then I moved back to Pittsburgh and then I I got a job in HR in a a really like entry-level position because of the experience I had working for this headhunting firm. And then it just kind of happened. It was one of those things where I just really connected to the work and what we were trying to do at the time I was working for a business that was really growing. It was, they were kind of just out of their startup phase and really getting into really starting to move, really getting momentum. And they needed a lot of help in a way that they weren't really sure. So I just kept saying, well, let me try that. Let me try that. And they just kept saying yes. And um, that's kind of gotten me here. I will say and listen, I will talk about the, the PHRA, the Pittsburgh Human Resources Association, all the live long day, because I really, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day that I really credit the PHRA with my, with my glow up in HR because of the people there and how willing they were to network with me and help to answer my questions and really get that outside perspective. And so, um, yeah. Now the, I'm the director of HR for Edgar Snyder and Associates, which if you're from the Pittsburgh area means a lot to you. And if you're not, it's a personal injury law firm. Uh, and that's where I am now. Very cool. So what was your major again at Point Park, Corey? Theater arts. Okay. So glowing up in HR from theater mm-hmm. and arts 
to uh, the, the the top of the uh, HR uh, kind of profession. The very, upper very cool. echelon, the Illuminati of HR in Pittsburgh is where I am now. Um, it doesn't make sense. Like you can't, this is the thing, you can't plot and plan everything. So it just kind of happened. I believe in divine intervention. So I'm just going to chalk it up to that. But I ended up getting, needing a job and knew how to be organized and use a computer. And that was sort of it. It kind of took off from there. Um, I'm currently getting my master's from the uh, law school at Tulane down in New Orleans, and it's a master's of jurisprudence in labor and employment law. So I'm about halfway through. So that's something that this is the joke that I'm going to make whenever I'm finished is like, you know, when someone's doing a presentation and they like put up their bio. So I'm going to put up like my undergrad is in theater. My master's is in labor and employment law. So I know what I'm talking about or I can act like it. So that's going to be the joke. (laughs) So just know I'm going to play that one out so hard. So yes, the glow up makes no sense. You couldn't plot that trajectory, but it's what happens. I love it. So throughout this journey, you've seen a lot of different trends uh, in the HR space, uh, kind of as an employee, as an employer, as an applicant going through different processes. But if we step back and think right now, what's the biggest trend that you're seeing uh, biggest thing, top of mind for everybody in the HR field? Man, there's a lot. I'll go with just what I can think of first. <clears throat> I don't know if it's the biggest, but certainly talent, like acquiring talent, retaining talent. Um, it's the great resignation, the great reshuffling, whatever you want to call it. And it's it's at the forefront of people's minds. I would argue that this has always been an issue. For the past 15 years, this has been an issue. It's been a challenge in, with it, it's been like the same challenge with a different flavor. Right now, what's happening is we've come out of, we're not fully out of it, but we're coming out of the upside down world of the pandemic. And most of the country functions on this default rule of at will employment, which means I can leave, you can fire me for any legal reason. Like we have this real, Lizzo non-committal relationship. So, but really it's not equal. The employer is always in the power seat. The employer always has a higher level of negotiating power than the employee. And what we're seeing right now is that grip being flipped where employees are just saying, I'm just not going to do it. There are all of these things that I want. There are all these things that I have defined for myself that are important, that help me with the totality of my life, family, personal work, all of those things. And I'm just saying no to, listen, right, wrong, or indifferent. Employees are saying like, I'm not taking scraps. This is what we want. And sometimes it makes a lot of sense in some industries and in some professions and in others maybe it's a little bit of pipe dream or I don't know, but it doesn't really matter what the, um, it doesn't really matter if it's right or wrong. Employees right now have incredible negotiating power and employers are trying to pivot in whatever way that they can. I would say that a lot of employers, there's just like MC Scat Cat and Paula Abdul, they got to take two steps forward and two steps back where they have to go back and they have to like, rip out they they're doing a complete remodel because they have been many employers have been so resistant to remote work so many employers have been resistant to 
looking at their compensation in a way that makes sense or looking at their benefits or looking how to really create this mutually beneficial relationship with their employees where it makes sense and everybody is really winning. It's just forced their hand. I think we hit fast forward on so many things as it relates to being in that employment relationship. And it was just fast forwarded by the pandemic. And I would argue, and I've argued it even before the pandemic, if you're not looking at flexible work arrangements and things like this as a way to acquire talent, as a way to retain talent, then you're just going to be late. Like this is the future. This is what will be happening. So you can embrace it or you can be late. And a lot of people were playing catch up. Now they're they're being uh, more more reactive than proactive. So uh, the, the book of Corey was talking about, hey, get ready, something's coming. Uh, we have to, you know, kind of take a couple of steps in the right direction, uh, or else something something bad's going to happen. Well, that happened, and now we're in this age of I've heard it called the the age of employee choice, right? People want to you know be at uh, organizations where they feel like they belong. They're connected. So once they get inside the organization, there's this piece of, hey, I got to be able to trust you. You have to be able to trust me, but also that bit of accountability, right? You're uh, a, a hot commodity, uh, you know, bringing this great talent inside the door. And, you know, if they're resistant to remote work, that piece of accountability becomes even more important. So what are your thoughts around that, that bit of embracing accountability uh, in the workplace? I think so many issues with the employer-employee relationship have to do with like unrequited, unspoken expectations. And you can apply this to your life, to your family, to your spouse, to your significant other, to your friends. When you when things aren't transparent and spoken, people will get disappointed. So if and if people aren't honest. One of the things when talent is coming in, I try to talk to them about what are your concerns with this position? Just be honest with me. You have thoughts. You're going to leave the room and you're going to come up with a pros and cons list. Just tell me what's on the cons list and I can address it either by explaining it or to tell you that really is a thing. Right now at ESA, we have a hybrid work arrangement for some people. That's a great concern. They do not want to come into the office at any frequency. Now, I would argue that a mixture is for our organization where we succeed best. That's where we sit best is remote and some face-to-face. So for a person that that's a sticking point, I want to talk about it with you and tell you why. And then ultimately, you've got to decide and I've got to decide. But I'm not going to sell you a bill of goods here. I really want you to know. So that's one place to be really transparent. And I've got to be accountable because I have to be impeccable with my word that when you come into the organization, I didn't pull some weird bait and switch move on you where I told you all of these flashy things to get you hired. And then you come to the organization. It's nothing like what I told you. That's not really fair. And you're just not going to stay. I'm going to be back in this position six months from now hiring for this role again. And I don't want to do that. But for the individual, I think, You have to be honest. If you have an employee who's not meeting your expectations, the first thing I say to any manager is just, have you told them? Have you had a really frank conversation where you have said this phrase, right now your performance isn't meeting expectations? Have you said that exact word? Well, no, but they should know. 
Mm -mm. you're not being accountable to be honest and they're not meeting your expectations. So they're not meeting their accountabilities as well. But both of you have these unrequited, unspoken expectations of one another. If we can just say it in the room and work through it, then we have a chance. Then we have a fighting chance to make this better. Ultimately, every person has to make the decision to be accountable. No job is ever going to like 100% fulfill you. No company is ever 100% responsible for your career. So everybody does have to take their side of the fence and be accountable for it. Um, I tell you the secret sauce in my mind is to the, towards that end, towards that accountability is just, you have to say it. <laughs> you can't just live in the shadows. And that starts with when that person is a stranger and they're applying to come into your organization all the way through to them retiring or them exiting or whatever it is. You, you just have to be honest and you cannot have those unspoken expectations of one another. Say it, write it, live it, repeat it. Say it, live uh, it, live it, repeat it. I don't know. Sure. Yes. Yeah. But the, the piece we used to say, trust, but verify, but then also, mm -hmm. you know, the power of uh, confirming, you know, with, with writing, right. Hey, get that in writing can be, you know, for good things can be for bad things. And I think it can be difficult to actually say those words out loud. Uh, mm -hmm. Prime example, which you just shared, you're not meeting expectations. We set out these goals and expectations at the beginning. You signed up, you gave the head nod, we wrote it down over there. Maybe it was a performance review, but you knew what you were getting into. You talked to me during the, you know, kind of onboarding process, implementation, orientation, you knew what was, what was, what was coming your way and you're not, you know, not, not quite doing it. And so the, uh, you know, accountability to be honest and those unspoken expectations that uh, is, is, is very interesting, but trust is a big piece of it as well, mm -hmm. because if I don't trust the person across the table from me, uh, I might not be able uh, to be honest. And there might be something else that we have to unpack and work through before we can get to that uh, kind of yeah. ability to build. So going back to that foundation, uh, you and I have talked about trust and respect in a, in a couple of different capacities before, but, but what are you doing from that perspective? Anything that you've seen or heard or done perhaps around trust and respect? Yeah, that's a good question. I, like many people in the world, I do love Brene Brown and I love what she says about vulnerability. And I think you, you have to model what you want. So you have to, like Michael Jackson, you've got to start with the man in the mirror or the person in the mirror. So if there's a difficult conversation that needs to happen with an employee, I think you, you have to be able to be vulnerable. Now, something I'm really interested in, and we can talk about this later, but something I'm really interested in is like, and that Brene Brown talks about is that vulnerability with boundaries, right? And not to just like soak up everything from others so that you can't manage your life. You have to take care of yourself. But I would say you have to model that where if I'm having a conversation with an employee or with a manager who needs to talk to their employee and I'm helping them coach through it, it's like, we need to approach this with empathy and we need to approach this you know, in a way that is direct, one thing Brene Brown talks about is like, don't zigzag things. We have to directly address what it is that we want to talk about, but we can still do with empathy. So the example of somebody's not meeting expectations. My first question to the manager is, 
have you had the conversation with them? Have you been, have you had a direct conversation with them? And typically the answer is no. Okay, we need to address what the problem is. And then we need to ask them, what am I missing? Like, what am I missing? Do you not have what you need? Am I being confusing? Something I hear a lot is like, because managers are so busy and they're, they really do have a lot on their plates. Sometimes employees feel like, I don't want to bother you. Oh my gosh. Okay. We can resolve that. A couple of practical things that I do is like, if we're about to have a difficult conversation with an employee, I never send like mystery meeting invitations. I always tell them what it's about. And maybe I pick up the phone and call them, or maybe it's in an email in some way, shape or form, because mystery emails or mystery meeting invitations are terrible. You're just thinking, I got a meeting invitation with HR and my manager, what is about to happen? But if you just tell them, I know we talked about this before, I want to set up a time for us to level set. Here's what I'd really like to address. At least you're giving them a heads up. At least that employee can come into the room and have some aspect of level footing with you. Because if you bring them in and that's the first time you're dropping the bomb, they're spending most of the conversation just getting their bearings. I'd rather they walked into the room prepared to know like, we're about to have a difficult conversation or we're about to have a conversation that could be challenging. This is what we want to talk about. This is how we're going to walk through it. So I'm hoping we build at least some level of, I don't even know if it's trust at that point, but it's like, I'm not coming for your neck, but we have to figure this out because we, no one person can supersede the organization. You're not pulling your weight right now, but we don't know why. And this is where, okay, I'm going to bring it back to Will Smith. This is where it's always nuanced. It's always complicated. You have Will Smith who at the Oscars smacks Chris Rock in the face. Everybody's like, hey, if at the PHRA engaging Pittsburgh Awards, nobody do this. Somebody came up and slapped somebody in the face. We would all like, there would be things that would have to happen, right? They would be an issue. So when you would approach that person, Will Smith, maybe in this example, you have to address what's happened. You can't sidestep that something was done that was incredibly wrong, but you also have to next to that, be talking about like, are you okay? Like we need to be talking about the fact that a person who is okay, doesn't behave that way. So you have to kind of have both of these things there. And maybe there's some trust that comes into play there, but really if you're modeling integrity, if you're modeling what it looks like to be honest while still not just coming at somebody and just trying to take them down. I think you can build trust in that way. Even when you're trying to, even when you're giving somebody disciplinary, you know, you're disciplining somebody. It's like the goal is we want it to get better, but we can't sidestep that this is serious. And I think having that relationship over time uh, really helps. So you engage with your organization on a, you know, persistent and consistent basis, right? It's ongoing. It's not just, hey, I'm only calling you whenever uh, bad things are happening. There's probably some good stuff. There's like, hey, how are you? You know, checking in, right? All those different pieces uh, that you're able to do so that you have that, oh, I know Corey really does care about my best interest. And something that, uh, you know, agile people and agile HR taught me uh, about HR is that the, the purpose of good HR is not to yell at you or get you in trouble, oh my gosh, but no. it's to help align strength and talent and interest of individuals to, you know, with the needs of the company, 
right? Here's what you're really good at. Here's what you like. And here's what we need. Let's put those things together. So we yeah. get win, 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 right? Everybody uh, is, is part of this solution together. And I think whenever you part, you talk about those, um, you know, vulnerability with boundaries and modeling what you want and say, hey, this is where I kind of stop this conversation and to be real about setting those expectations and say, this is what I, I'm okay with, you know, kind of talking about almost like you're uh, uh, drawing a box around your work hours, right? Mm-hmm. But what goes into those work hours and what's inside and outside? And that's not going to be a single conversation. It's building that Definitely rapport, now. building that up over time, but also you never know the full story. So just you like really you don't. mentioned, and you, can't, you can't be all things, all people. And that's something that I think in HR, we probably have a bad habit of like, you can't, you're not, you can't, you have this savior complex. And one of the reasons and I'll say to be vulnerable and honest is really dealing things in a way that is direct yeah. and getting to the root of the issue. It's so important because the alternative, even though it might feel okay in the moment, like you're not being confrontational or something it becomes such a bigger problem down the road that it's so much harder to bring it back around. So that early and often just calling it out and saying, this isn't working. I don't understand why. Help me understand this because we want to make this better. I have had too many experiences, especially early in my career where I didn't want to be, I thought that being direct was being mean. I thought I was being mean, but I'm like, actually, if I'm not honest, that's worse it just gets worse down the road. Um, so it's because of mistakes that I've made that it's like, no, you don't build trust with people if you aren't being honest. And it sounds like you're being firm, Corey. It doesn't sound like you're, you're being mean, but saying, hey, this is no. the, way, the way it's supposed to be. So in, in, those, in those conversations, uh, you might get to the point where you say, hmm, I, I think this is a piece where we can start, stop, continue, shift, but you'll give some feedback. Right. And sometimes it's, it's going to be constructive. So are there any times where you had to give, you know, some constructive feedback? Uh, we called it, you know, fishbowl feedback in some, some capacities, but talk to why me a did little you bit call, more. Why did you call it fishbowl feedback? Well, <laughs> maybe there was a fishbowl <laughs> with something in, in front of a table <laughs> with multiple people around it. Uh, and that was where we would say, Hey, here's some of the, the good things about you and some of the areas you can improve. And this was with our peers in this leadership development program. So we yeah. all care about each other so, so much, uh, you know, at the beginning and end of each day. And because of that, you know, kind of care for bettering one another, we would, you know, kind of look for those pieces and places to pick one another up and say, you might not see this. This is what I'm observing and I care about you. So I think fishbowl feedback, uh, maybe, you know, take a look at this. I have to like, I have to answer this question in a way that it's like, if anybody listens to this, I don't want them to feel called out, but there have been people who've reported to me in the past who I've had to give them direct feedback about how they interacted, maybe with how they interacted with other people in our department or other people, um, on our executive team, something that can happen to anyone, but especially for people who are highly accountable, high performers, very dedicated, very detailed. When people don't work at your pace, and there are some people I've worked with in my career who have a pace that's incredible. They can just burn through tasks and do them at a level of excellence 
Um, and also just at a pace that is just amazing. But part of that is like, not everybody works at your pace and not everyone works in your same style. So really coaching people through to say, they're not wrong and you're not right. You really need to look at this through the lens of, and I use the, have you ever heard the four agreements? Um, I use that a lot where I'm just like, here are the things you are making a lot of assumptions about what's happening on the other side. What are you assuming? You're, you're coming into the situation very hot and you're not going to get anything out of that. You're not going to get what you want. So I, I spend a lot of time visualizing in feedback sessions about like, what is it that you really want here? You really want this. And going about it this way, you will not be getting what you want. So you have to really think about the end in mind. You have this gauntlet you've got to go through maybe in order to get that. And we can look at that and we can make improvements or whatever. Anything is possible. But I'll tell you what, nothing gets done when nobody wants to work with you. Nothing will get done. And so I just, I definitely don't hold in feedback. But the other thing, and I say this a lot, why don't be stingy with your compliments. If somebody does something well, I'm, I will put a hundred thousand exclamation points and smiley faces, or I'll call them whatever it takes to make sure, you know, this is great. And this is what we need. You're on the right track. This is the thing. So I, I'm definitely not stingy with my compliments. And I will tell you as a woman working in a professional capacity, you get all sorts of feedback about don't be too you know, don't be too peppy. Don't put exclamation points. You can take that feedback to somebody who wants it. It's not me. If you think I'm not a professional or that I'm not as good at my, as my job at my job, because I put a smiley face on something, you can talk to somebody who cares. Cause I don't, I believe in speaking in your own voice. And, and I, if I really mean it, I really mean it. So I think it goes back to what you were saying too. It's like, I think Brene Brown's not the only person I read. It's just the most recent one, but she talks about like, you can't give tough love without tender love. So unless, and that trust factor, right? If I don't demonstrate to you that I care and that I'm not, I'm, I'm at least equally recognizing when things are going right. In addition to giving, to redirecting, you're just, you just won't care. You will, you will not trust me. You will not care. I will be the subject of your dinner conversation and it won't be good. It won't be flattering. Lori, <laughs> uh, sometimes people will give similar feedback uh, to, to me, not, not a woman, uh, but in, in the workplace. Too many exclamation points, right? Too many smiley faces. You get one exclamation point per email. You need to like, ration Ooh. your exclamation points. But I, I mean I, it. I think not right? Whenever you said, don't be stingy with your compliments, I got a lot of excitement. If you know me after, you know, five minutes in a conversation, there's lots of smiles and there's lots of exclamation points in any kind of a conversation. So I, I love that. I think there's a, a, a line to walk, right? Uh, around keeping sure. it a professional, of course. Um, and, genuine, and genuine, and genuine, right? You gotta yeah. really mean it. If you're putting it on, people can smell it. But if yeah. you mean it, do it. And again, that, that you learn more of an individual over time. We're going to flip that last question upside down and, uh -huh. you know, a time where Corey received some feedback, right? Kind of how to, you know, absorb, you know, maybe say I'm perfect. 
I've never, <laughs> nobody's ever said uh, there's opportunity to, to improve here. Uh, but, and this is where we, we might see a little bit of vulnerability uh, sure. from, from, from Corey Amos, but t talk to us about a time where you were on the other side of the table, uh, receiving some of that uh, cr cr constructive feedback. Constructive feedback, which is we've changed it from constructive criticism to constructive feedback. I will tell you this, if someone gives me a piece of feedback, it's like there are layers to me letting it in, right? So if somebody gives me a piece of feedback, I will always consider it. I will always go, hmm, is there something there? And I'll usually run it past somebody I really trust to say, hey, I got this piece of feedback. Does this track? Are you, you know, because I will say, I don't value everyone's feedback. I don't value feedback from not the good feedback couldn't come from somebody who don't know you very well, but I certainly will have to, it's gotta be, there's gotta be a way like a, some sort of conversion chart to say, okay, I'm going to look at this because people, you know, if somebody's giving you their feedback and they're doing it in a way that it's like, they're, they're actually trying to help you. I'm like, I'll consider it. Let me, let me think about this. But one thing, especially I think people when they're early in their career, or if there's something going on that you're really ambitious about and you're just dying for feedback, you're just wanting to soak up feedback, I would first say, you've got to qualify the feedback because not everybody should get just complete carte blanche to your well-being and mind and heart or whatever. Yeah, like you can't, not everybody, you know. But I will say a piece of feedback I get pretty consistently is that I can be somewhat of like, when you were in school, was there ever a student who was just like, knew all the answers, raised their hand constantly, and was a little bit annoying? Take that feedback and put it into the professional world where it's just like, you can overtake the conversation a little too much, be a little bit too much of that straight A student with your hand up. And what you fail to recognize is that other people in the room just need more time to absorb the information sometimes. They might not be that extrovert. They might not be that eye on the disc profile. They may not be that. So you have to be really cognizant of that. It's a piece of feedback I've gotten more than one time. So I do think about it. And sometimes taking that strength and kind of just adjusting the volume of it to say, if I can kind of sense in the room that maybe there's not that interaction or level of trust, I'll use that, you know, openness and maybe loudness or annoyingness to kind of, instead of shining the light on myself to shine the light on somebody else and maybe, Hey, I thought you said something about that the other day. Well, that was interesting and kind of build you up a little bit and help you come in. Um, so I've tried to, but I will say this is feedback I've gotten more than once <laughs> and I do acknowledge it. And I will say that instead of just you know, you know, blowing out the candle or hiding the light. It's like, well, what's a way that this could be used differently so that it's not always me talking and being uh, just hearing my shrill voice and being annoying. Maybe it's a way to use it to engage other people and, and build a platform so that they can say what they want. Empowering others and giving them the opportunity. I think of the analogy of the, uh, the, the garden, right? And you have the plants. You got to make sure that there's the right soil uh, in, in the, the garden for those plants to, to be successful and the right sunlight. You got to water it. And sometimes, you know, what do we do on the farm? We, we cultivate 
certain things. So sometimes you have to remove uh, certain pieces, but it's always putting the, the plants in the right environment to grow. Same thing with the people, right? Putting our Definitely. people in the right environments to grow, succeed, develop, uh, and then flourish together. Typically, there's more than just one uh, single plant uh, in, in that garden. Definitely. Very interesting. Do you ever ask people, hey, um, would you like uh, some feedback? Uh, and then maybe the second piece is, how do you like to receive feedback? Have you ever heard that or tested that? I don't ask, but I give a, I give a warning shot. I say, I'm going to give you a piece of feedback. Here, and then here I just, it comes, watch out. And then I just give it to you. And I try to, you have to check your own motivation, right? You have to say like, I'm, I want to give this person this piece of feedback. Um, what's my motivation? What do I hope happens from this? And usually I will say my intentions are in a good place. So I never try, I never try to give feedback after what could be like maybe a contentious interaction or something where the person's upset because they're not going to absorb it. And I, I would question my motivation. So I will tell you that First thing I do is check my motivation, but I don't ask permission to give feedback. And I think it's because I try to be aware of when it's, I kind of like want to filter that before I'm even getting to that place to say, I'm going to give you a piece of feedback. And usually I kind of just, depending on the scenario, I'll say something and you can do something with it or you cannot do anything with it. But here it is. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I... I don't get a lot of feedback, actually, Pete, if you want to know the truth. I definitely get it in very official capacities, like performance reviews and things like that. But there are a handful of people in my life, personally and professionally, who do give me feedback. It's a very small group, but their feedback is so on the nose and they know me so well that I take it so very seriously. Um, I do try to think about my interactions with people and okay, if they're walking away from this interaction, I'm not really concerned with if they like me or not in a professional capacity. It's more like, did I do what I set out to do? Did I fulfill my promise of wanting the best and trying to move things forward? Did I do that? Okay. Well then I'm not really concerned about the rest because the rest will come. Um, people are smart. Love you. Yeah. No. And if they don't, I mean, that's really not what I'm here to do. People, I would rather someone trusted me and said, listen, she might be, she might've been tough in that situation, but she was fair and she did what she said she was going to do. I'd rather have that piece of feedback in a professional capacity than like, I really like her. Well, of course, everybody wants to be liked. We want to have a good experience at work, but it can be a challenge when you work in HR where you have to, I don't think you have to be a complete robot, but there is a level of separation that does have to happen to some to some extent. It doesn't have to be I'm not going to become bionic and unemotional and complete tin man, but there is some level of separation of church and state that has to happen. Um, otherwise you get in these situations and you can't see them through because things have gotten to a point where you have to, you have to give somebody dis, you know, disciplinary action. You have to, you find out something about a person and you have to terminate them and it's really a way to make sure that you're protecting the organization, you're protecting your own well-being. Again, it's not that I don't have friends at work or something like that, or there are people that you're friendly with, but it's more like, how are you fulfilling your promise? How You came to this organization, you said you were going to do X, stand by what you said you were going to do. 
we can have fun while we do it. I would say like, I want to have a good time, but like, we got to get stuff done. We got to get stuff done. Yeah. So how, how's this for a little bit of feedback leading up Uh-oh. to uh, our, our session today? Uh, I was asking different people around town, hey, you know, I'm going to be talking uh, to, to Corey soon. And uh, <laughs> what, are your, what, are your, what are your thoughts? What else can you tell me? I and... want their names, first of all, first. <laughs> They're all they're all great things. So I'll give a couple of the first names around this, uh, who you might recognize of John, Liz, Beth, Dave, Mark. Uh, some might make sense to you and, and others uh, that are listening to this down the road. Uh, but the words that came out, not just once or twice, but these are the themes that were repeated, Corey, of she's genuine, inspiring, a go-getter, top-notch, and a, a real subject matter expert. She knows her stuff. So... Uh-oh that's what uh people are saying that's uh, the word that's the word around (laughs) that's the word around town all right you ready for uh some some rapid fire some 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 q a here where i'll kind of ask you a couple of questions we'll just go boom 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 so you're talking about this uh brene brown gal and maybe one book maybe a couple of books what's the name of the book what are you recommending to us you can choose up to three if you want okay i uh really like the book no ego by cy wakeman uh, I am currently listening to the book, uh, dare to lead by Brene Brown, which I really enjoy. I've also been listening to, um, Simon Sinek's the infinite game, which I think is really, you know, conceptually is really great. And then I will say from a nonfiction standpoint, I constantly go back to the audiobook of 11, 63, which is by Stephen King, but it's not a scary book. Uh, I go back to that all the time. The audiobook is expensive, but it's amazing. Okay. Corey, I asked for two or three and you gave me four. So there we, there we go. There's the- <laughs> <laughs> I told uh, right. you. I so go- <laughs> what are you saying? I said, I warned you. I'm too much. Yeah. Uh, all right. So if you go back and do another uh, degree in undergrad, would you change it? Would you do the same thing? I would do the same thing. Same oh, thing. Sure. Okay. Oh yeah. Somebody says, Hey, I want to be like Corey when I grow up, I want to you know, work at ESA. I want to change people's lives. I want to be real. I want to be able to talk about these, uh, you know, Brené Brown books. Um, what would you have them study in school, uh, kind of given the current climate and everything? Like, I, you know, what's, what's a degree or a couple of classes that might be valuable? Um, does it matter? I don't care. I think if you can persevere and if you can master the skill of communicating what you mean, So if whatever it takes to be able to communicate in all mediums, in person, in writing, putting things in a presentation, whatever it is that you, that people walk away and they really get what you were trying to communicate, you could take over the world. You could do anything. Messaging and marketing are, are absolutely huge. Okay. Um, If you could give your younger self uh, one tip of advice or one skill that you wish you learned earlier added to your toolbox uh, a little bit sooner, what would it be? Okay. The piece of advice would be, don't be so hard on yourself. The other, but the thing that I would want to acquire, and this is impossible, but you know, when you think about like, if I had three wishes, what would it be? And one of my wishes would be like, I wish I could speak every language because you can, it goes back to that communication thing that anybody that there's no barrier to really help them understand. I always have this idea that if I could just talk to the person I could help them understand at least where I'm coming from. They might not agree. It's like in the office when Pam Beasley is like, even Al Qaeda, I feel like if I could just meet them, they, they would, and they got to know me, that they would like me. So I, that's not possible, but it borderline answers your question. 
it goes back to the communication communicate what you mean and whenever you effectively do that you can change change the world i agree with you a thousand percent um last piece on here is how can the phra uh you know community uh help you out corey at, at work you know as you keep growing with the master's degree what what can this community do to help you I don't think the the community has already done so much for me. I would say I'm so excited for the next couple of years to get back to being able to see people in person. The one thing when it, I say, I've said this before in the PHRA space where it's just, how can you be both a consumer and a contributor to the HR community in Western Pennsylvania? Just making sure that of course, you can get a lot out of it. The networking, the educational piece, all of that is incredibly important. Even if you can contribute in a very small way, it makes a huge difference. So just keep the way that the PHRI can help me is just to continue to push that credo. You have to consume, but you also have to contribute. Cool. Corey, thanks so much for taking time to talk with us today. Uh, it's been great learning about glowing up in HR and the <laughs> accountability to be honest and the importance of unspoken ex expectations and how they can bite us in the butt and the importance of communicating what you mean. And what did we say? Say it, write it, live it, repeat it, and model what you want with those vulnerability uh, and bound, oops, no. So model what you want and have vulnerability, but with those boundaries that are, you know, not one size fits all. So there is that kind of figuring it out over time. And the, you know, probably part that I, I liked the most perhaps was to not be stingy with your compliments. So Corey, thanks so much for joining us here today. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. In a world where businesses are coming to terms with the demands of employee choice, solutions to improve workplace culture are crucial. Businesses of all sizes are doing everything they can to attract and retain top talent during this unprecedented time. Connection to the team, a sense of belonging, and a feeling of purpose rank high in the needs of today's work-from-anywhere society. Sound familiar? At Lattice, we understand the importance team building and positive employee-employer relationships have on the success of a workplace. Done well, top-down and peer-to-peer -peer knowledge sharing can unlock new levels of productivity and profitability to create a culture of cohesive collaboration. Ongoing high-quality connections reduce burnout and mitigate mental health issues, more important now than ever with social isolation on the rise. Lattice is a tool to make internal employee engagement easier and much more impactful for the entire organization. Lattice is a proven, secure workplace solution that is easy to implement for organizations of all sizes. So what are you waiting for? Let's Lattice. The PHRA P4 podcast was created to help build HR readers through discussions with thought and business leaders on the most critical success factor of any business, its people. If you enjoy an episode, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast and providing us a rating. We would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode, tag PHRA, and share it with your followers. Until next time, thank you for watching and thank you for listening.